Welcome to the Outpatient Surgery Magazine podcast collection. Outpatient Surgery Magazine hosts conversations with experts from the outpatient surgery community on topics that impact your world today. We hope these conversations will help stakeholders from outpatient facilities, associations, and industry across the country focus on the future and generate ideas and solutions for safe surgery together. Welcome to Outpatient Surgery Magazine's podcast collection, where we speak to experts in the field on hot topics that affect your world. I'm your host, B. Riemschneider-Ebling, and I'm the Senior Director of the Outpatient Surgery Division of AORN, and I'm happy to be with you today as we explore the changing world of the Ambulatory Surgery Center. This podcast episode is sponsored by Stryker and features a wide-ranging conversation about the recently published article series in Outpatient Surgery Magazine that focused on the journey to launch an ASC with a closer look at the growth of orthopedic procedures, especially spine, that continue to evolve. We're going to talk about what it takes to launch an ASC and the strategies that will provide ASC owners and leaders with the best facility, the best equipment, and the best workflow strategies to succeed. Our thanks go to Stryker for their generous support of this three-part article series published earlier this year, and it's available online at www.outpatientsurgery.net. This podcast touches on some key takeaways that we discovered. Entitled The Complex Journey to Launch an ASC, our special guest is Dr. Arthur Valade, President and Sports Medicine Specialist at Coastal Orthopedics in Florida. Stryker is one of the world's leading medical technology companies that offers innovative products and services in orthopedics, medical and surgical devices, neurotechnology, and spine to help make healthcare better for both patients and healthcare professionals. To meet the unique needs of the growing total joints and orthopedic surgeries in the ASC, Stryker launched an ASC-focused business in 2020. With thousands of unique and clinically proven products spanning more than 20 procedural specialties, a wide range of flexible financial options, and teams who understand the ASC landscape, Stryker is committed to delivering tailored solutions and ongoing support for ASCs to achieve their mission and goals. So now... Please enjoy this conversation with one of the leading orthopedic surgeons who has taken this journey to expand his practice in the ASC space. Welcome, Dr. Valaday. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. You've worked with Stryker as you grew your business, and our audience will be very interested to hear what you have to say about the process, the challenges, and the successes. So let's get started. We know that orthopedic procedures continue to grow in the outpatient environment, and ASCs are adapting their facilities every day, their footprints, their planning, just because of that great growth. Have you personally experienced growth in your own practice, and especially during post-pandemic? We certainly have. We had a fairly robust outpatient joint and spine program in the surgery center pre-pandemic, but the pandemic really accelerated that process. In fact, where we used to look for patients to be accepting of having these higher acuity procedures such as total joint replacement and spine surgery done in the surgery center, they're actually now requesting it be done in the surgery center. So we've seen an acceleration in, in, in volume, but we actually see demand and preference for services in that setting now. 
that 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 is what we've heard as well, and that confirms what's going on in the ASC world. But so, with that in mind, how do you build with growth in mind? And whether you're building new or renovating, and if you could kind of just paint a picture, what does a successful orthopedic build look like? Well, I think the most important thing to build with growth in mind is to know your practice and know your surgery center and certainly know your market. You know, what are the growth projections for each specialty and subspecialty in your practice and in your surgery center and in your market? You have to ask yourself, how many physicians might you add to your surgery center based on, again, growth of your area and your market and growth of your individual practice or practices? So you really have to understand your market and your environment. In terms of uh, what a successful orthopedic build looks like, I think you can look at it from a few different standpoints. You know, certainly the most obvious is the facility because you can see it and feel it and touch it. And so from a facility standpoint for orthopedics in particular, you really have to have adequate operating room size for all types of cases. So cramming a total joint replacement into a small room where you used to do just a hand surgery really doesn't work. So you really want to have adequate operating room size. And when we built our new center, we built all of our ORs uh, the same size so that we can move cases around to, to different rooms and not be limited to one particular type of a surgeon in a particular room. The other area that you'll hear a lot of talk about, particularly with retrofitting an old center, is dealing with sterile processing. The SPD requirements for cases such as joint and spine are totally different than the requirements for the traditional surgery center cases. And so you really have to, if you can, in an ideal world, build a central sterile processing and storage really on the level of a hospital to be able to handle the demands of the larger cases. And then I think as you work your way down that facility standpoint, you have to have adequate pre- and post-op areas uh, for these bigger cases. In pre-op areas, you're now seeing the majority of patients receive uh, anesthesia regional nerve blocks, and so you have to have the space uh, to, to be able to do that. Uh, and the same goes for PACU, right? These patients with higher acuity cases are going to have longer stays in the PACU, and so you really need to be able to accommodate that. Uh, you also have to have a comfortable waiting area because these patients have families who are going to be there for longer. So when we designed our ASC, our waiting room looks more like a Starbucks than a traditional waiting room. You know, we have tables and we have couches and we have chairs and we have places for people to plug in their computers and plug in their phones. And so you have to think about the families as well as the patients. And then you also have to think about your staff from a facility standpoint. So we took great pains to make sure that our break room was going to be adequate for our staff. We specifically reconfigured our whole designed so that our break room would be on the side of the building so you could have a window so you'd have natural light and your staff could see what's going on outside and and you really have to kind of take care of your people as well. Speaking of people, we talked about the facility. From a people standpoint, I think that's critical, right? So you really need capable people from the director of your ASC all the way through the nurses down to the people in the OR and the SPD teams. And this is a particular challenge right now in today's labor market. So getting capable people and keeping them happy is, is critical. Also, having a capable anesthesia team who can work as a key piece of your surgery center is really important for an orthopedic ASC. Again, because of the importance of regional anesthesia and pain management in these patients. And I will tell you that currently anesthesia is a challenge, as you may have heard. And so that's a, that's a key thing. And I think from a culture standpoint on an orthopedic build, you really have to foster a culture of teamwork because you really don't want people working in silos. You really need people throughout the organization working as a team and communicating so that 
you're not sort of in this siloed environment. I think you have to create a culture of safety because we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. You know, our standard in our surgery center is that we'll have no infections, we'll have no complications, we'll have no hospital transfers. That's our expectation. Now, you can't achieve it, but you can certainly aim for that. And then finally, I think you have to really create a culture where your staff and your people understand that you care about them, and that's going to help them be a key part of, the, of what you're trying to accomplish. What you have painted a, a fabulous picture. You've touched a lot of areas, uh, and taking care of your people and taking care of your patients sounds like it's uh, the the um, the underpinning for what you're talking about. Um, take a step back for just one moment, um, because I think um, our audience will be interested to know how do you gauge um, the business side? Um, how do you un- when you understand your local community needs and the population before you even build what you've just described? Just how do you go about find getting that information to decide to expand in a particular community? Well, you have to understand your market. And I think the best way to understand the market is to be in the market and in the trenches, right? Someone coming in from an outside place and taking a look is you can look at population trends and you can look at, um, you know, demographics, but really being in the market, being in the community and really understanding your market is the key. So how stable are your surgeons, right? Are, are your surgeons stable? Are they near retirement? Do you have young surgeons? Are the practices they're in, or if it's in our case, our surgery center is just for our practice, is your practice stable? Are you recruiting and are you growing? What types of specialties are you adding? Also, what are your threats, right? Are hospitals and ASCs, uh, other ASCs threats? Who's competing for your surgeons in your cases? And I think simply being in your market and paying attention I think you'll naturally understand the market issues. And I think you have to be honest with yourself about it as well, right? If there are threats and competition, I think you can't put your head in the sand. You have to be honest with yourself about what reality is going to look like down the road. We're fortunate to have a stable practice in a high growth area, and that makes it a little bit easy. But I think, again, there's no substitute for being in the market, paying attention, and being honest with yourself. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of homework even before you get started. Um, and I know you've launched a new um, ASC and, and you've already outlined so many parts of it, but um, is there something that you would say it takes, you know, a certain kind of feeling to launch a brand new ASC, certain motivation? Um, is there something in your experience that made you want to do this? Well, I think feeling and motivation are nice, but it's got to be successful, right? And it has to work. So I think you have to go right to the beginning and you, you have to understand what are my committed or expected cases? What's my case volume going to be? What's my case mix going to be? And what's my payer mix going to be? If you have a good idea of that information, then you can build a business plan and projections such that you understand, again, what your physical plant needs are going to be, what your revenue uh, expectations are, and then you can understand how you're going to manage the costs surrounding that. Now, if the numbers work, then you have to build a team that's capable of executing it, right? So you need a team that's capable of handling the financing. You have to be able to handle the design and build piece, and then you have to understand the equipping piece. And then once you have that, you need an operational team. And an operational team includes not just the clinical piece, but you need to have the financial piece, the revenue cycle component. And in our highly regulated industry, you have to have appropriate risk management, licensure, and regulatory uh, capabilities to be able to put it all together. And then overseeing that, if you can have physician champions that really understand what you're trying to accomplish, that really helps tie it all together. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, putting that team together. But part of that team is is a partner in this process, um, basically reaching out to a partner to uh, to vet the business and to share the tips. Um, I, my question to you is, what's been your experience in finding a partner to work with in addition to that team that you've put together? Right. So there's several partners that you need that I mentioned earlier. And so in our experience, the best way to find those partners was really through industry organizations and connections and networking. So being in a position to meet and speak to people that are experts in the field, people that have done it already, people that have gone through the same thing have been very helpful. We're a member of the Ortho Forum, which is an organization of large independent orthopedic groups around the country. And that network has been invaluable because if we're at a phase of our practice, a phase of our growth, we have a particular challenge, we can reach out to that network of people and um, not recreate the wheel. So through that, we were able to find partners in the consulting field that helped us with the financial and the planning piece. And then through that, we were able to vet several groups and land on the right design build firm that helped us. Um, Then we had a team that helped us with optimizing our financing as well. We actually used a non-equity management company for a period of time for our surgery center. And then as we grew and our capabilities grew, then we took over the management of our own. And then, of course, we partnered with Stryker for many of our equipment and implant needs in the surgery center. Stryker uh, has a nice integrated program for capital equipment, and it ties into implant needs and other vendor needs. And Stryker has a wide breadth of products. And so we were able to partner with Stryker to really help us on maximizing that part of our, of our um, growth. And for me, the vetting process about partners is really getting to know their people and know their capabilities to know if there's a fit. I mean, I think there has to be a, a personality fit, a vision fit. You have to know that they're capable. You have to know that they've been able to accomplish these things before with success. Um, and then I think you have to be careful about who you partner with. You want to make sure that you're aligned, to make sure that your goals are aligned, your capabilities are aligned, and that your rewards are aligned. Makes perfect sense. And you, you also talked about, um, you know, the, the OR rooms being uh, a certain size for and flexi- flexibility built in. So it sounds like there's a, a plan for the future. And it sounds like you've made that plan in your particular facility. But for our audience, I think they'd like to hear your, just your thoughts about the future trends in orthopedic surgery. And um, you're preparing for the future with this build. You have prepared. But can you, can you give any tips about the trends that you see coming up? Well, I think about some of the short, short-term trends and the longer-term trends. You know, I think the short-term trends that we're all dealing with right now are the workforce challenges. And unfortunately, I think the workforce challenges are going to be here longer than we'd like for them to be. So we're looking at ways that we can use technology to increase efficiency and then automate some of our processes, right? So are the, is there technology that would help us with the, the intake piece, the data gathering piece, the preoperative piece? the insurance authorization piece. So, so can we, how can we use technology to do that? How can we use technology to make our current staff uh, more efficient, more productive? You know, I think, unfortunately, it looks like the inflationary pressures may be here for a little while as well. So we've kind of renewed our focus on trying to control costs because everything gets more expensive, but we're not in an industry where we can easily raise our prices. That's a, that's a real challenge. 
I think in the longer term, um, I think value-based care will continue to get more traction, although it's been slower in certain parts of the country than we expected. But eventually, we're going to need to prepare, be prepared for some alternate payment models, such as bundles and other types of relationships with payers. So we want to understand what the payers are looking for in the long term, because I do think that that's going to be a trend. So, you know, there's some challenges, certainly, but, you know, we're bullish on the outpatient surgery space, particularly in orthopedics and spine. And so we think the future is bright. Yeah, we're in agreement with that. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Valaday. I want to thank you very much, really, for sharing some of your insights and your story about your journey. And it sounds like you've done some tremendous work. Um, Our listeners are going to be looking at their own futures and listening hard to the, um, the tips that you've just given us. So Outpatient Surgery Magazine would like to sincerely thank Stryker for their support of this podcast and the three-part article series, which again, you can find online at outpatientsurgery.net. And we hope this conversation provided a couple of new ideas and some inspiration as you all look forward. Thank you for joining us today and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Outpatient Surgery Magazine podcast collection. We invite you to listen to more episodes in our community section online at www.outpatientsurgery.net and visit the Outpatient Surgery website often for new and exciting content.